I'm going to do a very impromptu survey real quick. And I want you to be honest. Don't lie. You're Christians. <laughs> How many of you sincerely got discouraged because of the ruling from the Supreme Court of the United States of America? How many of you encouraged by the decision? Be honest. Encouraged by the decision? Nobody. How about anybody indifferent to the decision? I was expecting about that much with indifference. Interesting perspective. Because the things that we're talking about is going to have everything to do, because of your perspective, with this lesson today. Uh, one of the preachers asked a nationwide survey, how many of you are changing your sermon because of SCOTUS, because of the Supreme Court decision? And I think I was the only person of about 50 preachers that, were, that responded, saying, yeah, I changed mine three times this week. Because of what is so pressing to me, because it's already on your minds right now, it's pretty much on your heart, one way or another. And we're talking about very sensitive issues. This is what happened this past week. Very sensitive issues. <clears throat> Things pertaining to the Confederate flag, very sensitive on both sides, for and against it. Supreme Court decision and, of course, um, the president of the White House, or president of the U.S., I mean, he's got, got the lights um, that are up reflecting a great victory for a segment of our population. And again, very sensitive subject matters. We were actually talking about homosexuality, a small part of the discussion in our class on love this morning. And so with these things, we've got lots of reactions, and those reactions somehow make their way to social media. And we get to express our views. Sometimes we express our views in words and choice of words that can either let us know where we stand or how we feel. And sometimes we're not good at expressing our words. Or sometimes it's because it reflects our heart of how we express the views that we have. And so that led me to thinking about, you know, why do we get discouraged about certain things? And I was having this conversation, I, I forget uh, if it was Mr. Otis or whoever, we were talking just before our Bible class this morning, I forget who I was speaking with about these things and, and how... The change is, is here in our country. We're a very different country today. How we look at the U.S. Constitution is very different today. How we apply the Constitution is extremely different today. Regardless of our feelings, whether we like it or not. Very different. And many, as a result, in this country, many Christians, and it's unique to this country. You're not seeing this in other parts of the world. We've got discontent as a result of the directions that are being taken. I mean, there is a section of our society that very clearly has said, you're not hearing the voice of the people. And we supposedly live in a republic, right? Where the majority of the people would have their say. And then we would see that, that our legislative branch would go ahead and, and, and make laws and our judicial branch is supposed to uphold those laws, right? 
And so we've got different things going on. And as a result, some may want to sulk. And the way we sulk is let others know how we feel. And we've got this woe is us. And then, in addition to sulking, we want to vent. And so we, we go out and we express just, you know, how awful the situation is. And we go in further. And some of us, not just sulking, but it's like the, world, the apocalypse is upon us. We feel like the end is here. I mean, because look at what, what's going on in our society. It's likened unto the days of Genesis chapter 6 where there was evil continuously in the thoughts of men. Or it's likened unto uh, Genesis chapter 18 and 19 where, where we see just, just great immorality. And so we th- expect, because it's happening right here, look at what the world has come to. It's my contention, and I've said this, I've said this for years since I've been here at least. I think we're actually headed back to the way the world has always been. It's just that, in my personal opinion, what we've had in this country has been a beacon for a small, small segment of world history. For whatever the reasons we can get into and debate over, I believe we've had the blessing of God. I believe God's blessing has left this country personally. That's just my personal opinion. Not that it can't be upon a nation, because I believe... Uh, Righteousness does, in fact, exalt any nation, not just this country, because of its people. But here's what Christians need to be doing in moments like this. And and this is not it. We've got more moments like this, watershed moments in this country. This was, I believe, a watershed week for us in this country. But I believe the way we're acting as Christians, generally speaking, needs to be rethought. And I want to share some reasons why. The ultimate reason, just as we sang the song, and, and I don't know why I never thought about this. I should have asked Paul to just sing the same song again after the sermon. Who knows? Paul might just do it, so we'll see. <laughs> We've got to understand this world, whatever country we're from, whatever country we are citizens of, this is not it. We know it here, But the way we live our lives sometimes, we get so caught up in here that we forget our true citizenship. We may know where our true citizenship is. We can give the right answer biblically, but our lifestyles may show that heaven is just a distant land. It's not my home right now. Michael just read for us out of Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read again from verse 19, and I want you to look at the tense of which the the apostle Paul Paul speaks of in this passage. He says in verse 19 again, to Christians, those who left this world, although they still live in it, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You arrived. You are fellow citizens. Not you're going to be citizens. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This is who you are, not what you will be, not who you'll become. You'll not eventually get your citizenship. This is who you are right now while you live in this world. I want you to stop and think about those words for us just a second because 
If we can keep this on the forefront of our minds, it has everything to do with how we view decisions like this past week. And I believe we might have a difference in the raising of hands and how we answer the question. You see, we have died to the elementary principles of this world, but what are they? Immorality, wickedness, complete evil. That's the world, brethren. The world's always been this way. It's not going to change. This is why we left the world that we'd be saved from our sins because our sins contribute to this wickedness. This is who the people of the world are. This is who some of us have been as we were raised. It was Mitch Davis. These are the things that we have left. And so we ought not to be surprised at... At a decision like this, we are never to be surprised that there would be fraud in government. We should never be surprised because it's the world. Even those who proclaim to be believers or followers of Jesus, just because you claim it doesn't mean you're going to live it right. That's what we were looking at our, our subject matter this morning about those who were believers but weren't really walking with God. They didn't have the the love of God in them. And we looked at that in in Luke chapter 10. We died to sin and our attachment becomes Jesus Christ. We draw near to him. That's what we're reading in Ephesians chapter 2. When you read the first part of this passage, when you read verses 11 through 18, we were brought near to him by, by his blood, verse 14 following. And so our attachment is not here in this world. We're told in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, don't love this world. But brethren, guess what? Our actions show where our attachments are. Because of how we share our views and what have you. It does not mean that we cannot in this country um, exercise the rights that we currently have. We should be able to exercise those rights. Um, in fact, getting into... Um, this next section of the sermon, we're going to actually use an illustration in Scripture where we can exercise our rights, but it's within the greater picture that we're looking at. And so what we need to have, in my estimation, is a sense of clarity over moments like this, watershed moments, whether it's going to be like Roe versus Wade back in the 70s, or if it's going to be things that are going on this, this past week, or right now, these last few years. And I believe this is... Not just a moment, like uh, a decision by a Supreme Court, but an era that we are in that literally is transforming our culture and transforming the way we look at this country. But, But that's where it ends. Because we left this country. So even if we live in it, and even if we have uh, day to day activities in it, transactions of life in it, our citizenship is not here. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I know we have U.S. citizenship. (laughs) But this is not where it's really at. We've got a higher calling than the U.S. citizenship. And so we need to have clarity on our lives. And that means that our primary work as Christians is not so that we can change this country and make it a quote-unquote Christian nation. That's not our work. Our work is to go and reach the lost. Because the lost 
have a lot of wickedness that need saving from. But it's not the change that way. That may be a byproduct. That's not the goal. The goal is to have fellowship with God. The goal is to walk with our Lord. The goal is to have the blessings of Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. That's the goal in, in our personal walk. And the manifestation of that goal is a transformed life. That's what we looked at two weeks ago. And with a transformed life, we'll see the effect in culture. I mean, we see it in the jail. We see a, a transition in the transformation of what's going on in the culture, but then it's always evolving because we have women that get released and, and some of them go back to the way of the world and what have you. But again, our primary work is not demanding certain rights. It is my personal view, and I've never shared this on Facebook, but I'll share it with you. It's my personal view that whether we have in some kind of a law that says marriage is between a man and woman, which I believe it is, or whether the laws of the land says marriage is between two loving partners, has no bearing on me from this standpoint. I'm going to give my life to the Lord and I'm going to teach the truth about marriage regardless of the law. We've got other laws that are contrary to the will of God. But it didn't blow up Facebook. We have no problem with some other things. So what I'm saying is, it's not our primary work to demand certain rights. And in fact, if we follow biblical teaching, the Apostle Paul said, I am all things to all men, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that some may be saved. And so we're talking about a segment in history when the Roman government was every bit as evil, if not more so from a relative standpoint, to look at it from a historical standpoint, in my mind, than what we are seeing right now. We're just headed in that direction, it seems to me. And so that's not our primary thing. It does not mean, as I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, that we cannot exercise rights because we live in a country because of this democratic society, supposedly that we are in, right, that we can go and vote, vote for certain individuals and what have you. And again, re regardless of the details, the nuances, that is a fundamental right that we currently are able to exercise. To a lesser or greater degree, we go to the polls, we go to the, um, the boxes to vote, and we have certain rights that we are told currently in our constitution, in, uh, in laws, whether it's city ordinances, and whatever government there is in this country. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul did as a Roman citizen. He exercised what rights he did have as a Roman citizen. We can do the same thing. But the Apostle Paul knew there was a greater picture than just Roman citizenship. It was not about changing everyone's lives so that they would have these kinds of rights. It was about bringing them to Jesus. That is the primary work. When Jesus sent his apostles out to go into all the world, it was not to change laws. It was to save them from their sins. It was so they could have fellowship with God. That's the work that we have. Jesus came, at, uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. He came to seek and save the lost. Brethren, that's our work. 
It does not mean that we cannot have employment gained from a political standpoint so that we join a party that we believe in because we believe it to be consistent with Scripture, consistent with the teachings of our Lord. I mean, we have that kind of freedom to do that. I mean, if I wanted to be a politician, I believe, contrary to some Christians' thinking, I believe I can exercise that right because I live in a country that allows me to do so. And if I wanted to stay completely away from politics, brethren, I could if I so chose. You may like it or you may not like it. You may be thinking, Mitch, you're crazy. You have a right to vote. You need to exercise that right. Some don't. And they do it unto the Lord. And some do. And they do it unto the Lord. The primary work is not about our earthly rights here. Not about it. And so hopefully we have clarity on what our primary goal is. It is to focus on eternal truths. And here's what I want us to focus on. I'm just writing down three things. Every single time these kinds of laws that may be discouraging as far as the direction where our nation is headed, brethren, guess what you can do? You can always rejoice because what? You're in the Lord. Regardless of how, if this world goes to pot, you're still in the Lord. You still have an eternal reward. Isn't that what this is about? Sure it is. To be discouraged means to lose hope or to see that, that we're losing. No, no, the hope is every bit here. In fact, it is my personal opinion that light gets to shine brighter because darkness becomes even darker. That's my take. There's always a silver lining if you look for it. <laughs> right, Phil? <laughs> and so here's the thing. We need to rejoice because we have something the world does not have. And we want to give the world what it does not realize yet it needs. And much of the world may not even want it. But we want to give them that hope. So that no matter what falls apart around us, whether we get taken over by another country, which maybe some of you may have thought of inconceivable, seems very conceivable now for many minds in this country. Doesn't matter. You have faithful Jews in Babylonian captivity, Assyrian captivity. You have faithful Jews living in countries where the law of the land is it's illegal to be a Christian. We don't have those things here. We're okay, even if Christianity is not kosher, it's not trendy in our, in our society. And it seems to be uh, very much a black eye in our society today. And heading in a direction that it may become illegal at some point down the road. Who knows if that will ever happen. But the point is, we're in the Lord. That cannot be taken away from us. Never. No matter what laws of the land are, whether good or bad, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. So rejoice. The second thing is shine. Brethren, here's a great opportunity as the world, as you're, some of you have verbalized this to me, the world is getting darker and darker and darker. Well then, guess what? You're going to be able to shine brighter and brighter if in fact you're shining for the Lord. The thing is you can't bring people to the Lord if you're not going to shine for him. If you're not going to reflect his glory, 
And so here is an opportunity of self-evaluation. What am I doing as a believer? Am I grumbling about such and such? Am I whining? Am I sulking about laws and so on and so forth? Or am I sharing good news? See, you can spend your energy this way or you can spend it this way. Which way are you going to spend it? How are you going to use your time, your energy? I love that Phil announced, you know, here's an opportunity. We can help women that, that we're giving Bibles to, that they can read the Bibles. If they had some reading glasses. <laughs> I remember we just had a woman two months ago who obeyed the gospel and she was an atheist. That's how you shine your light, brethren. That's one of the many ways. And so it comes in, in a variety, a manifold of ways in which we can shine for the Lord. And so as I say, say it now, I'll probably always say it, this world is always a dark place. And the light comes into this world in the name of Jesus Christ. And he gives us his light and we are his ambassadors. We represent him. And we need to do it with a love for souls. A genuine love for souls, not just talk. This is what we need to do. Third, thirdly, to be peacemakers. I love my daughter's heart. I, have not, I did not see everything that Malia saw this past week on Facebook, but some, after one of these things, I don't know if it was with the Confederate flag or if it was with the gay marriage laws, but she had posted something along the lines of, Christians, remember who you are. I'm proud of my 20-year-old daughter. I like that she spoke up. We do need to remember who we are. We are Christians. We have a gospel of reconciliation. You know what that means? We have a gospel of peacemakers. We provide good news to bring peace between the world and our Savior. And that means if we're going to love our God, we're going to love one another. And we're going to make peace with each other as much as depends on us. Romans chapter 15 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As much as depends on us. In fact, Romans chapter 12, if I'm not, I forget what verse, verse 18 or something, that we're going to have peace with all. That's what we need to be doing. And Romans chapter 10 tells us, blessed are the feet of those who preach this gospel of peace. That's who we are, brethren. Because our citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. So when you walk out of this room or when we sing the invitation song, lift your heads and rejoice. I don't care if we walk. I say this personally. And I say it with the big picture in mind, not the nuances. The big picture in mind, I don't care if we have to walk to our death, brethren. We're walking to our reward. Huge attitude. Walking to our reward rather than woe is me. I mean... Do we not have an attitude of saying, Lord, come, come quickly? Not because it's so bad, although that would be a reason, and we see that in Revelation chapter 5, but because we love the Lord and we cannot wait to be with him face to face. See, brethren, that's the kind of love. It's supposed to be permeating from you. It's supposed to be exuding from you so that your light can shine to this world. So I'm asking you one final time, where is your priority? Where is your citizenship? And I believe, for those that have been discouraged, that you reevaluate how much you have in all your blessings in Christ. And I'm not saying that you haven't, but it needs to be on the forefront, not on the back burner. The forefront of your mind that you have all the blessings in Christ. Now go share those blessings with the world 
because it's really dark. <laughs>